0: Tap episode 135, Leadership Heat Death. It's a very aggressive title, isn't it? Today in this podcast, we're going to talk about the leadership laws of energy. Now, this is going to start a little weird, but I need you to stick with me because we're heading somewhere. There are certain laws that govern the natural universe. This is where the scientific study of physics come into play. You know, as a kid, we all learned that there was an apple that fell on Sir Isaac Newton's head and he, quote, discovered gravity. And we're all about to head into Thanksgiving. And some of us are about to get a lesson in the law of gravity because of all this food we're about to eat. Our mass is going to increase and gravity's effect on us is about to increase as well. And this is a law of the universe. Gravity is a law of the universe. And What's interesting about laws of the universe is that we cannot figure out how to circumvent these laws. There are some people that wish that we could just magically snap our finger and the law of gravity wouldn't have any more effect on our bodies. We could eat all we want at Thanksgiving. Give me two pieces of pie. But that's not how this works because when there's a law in place, the law governs the reality. Now, let me give you another example another physics example, a law that we cannot circumvent. And that is the concept of perpetual energy. Perpetual energy is an idea that a lot of people have tried to figure out, but nobody can because there's laws that govern energy. Wouldn't it be nice to have a car that you never had to put gas in that it would just run forever and you would not have to invest anymore in the energy to run that car? Wouldn't it be nice to have a device that would power your home that you did not have to charge? You did not have to fuel up. You did not have to pay for. Think about how much money you could save every single year if you did not have to put gas in your car or pay the electric bill. So a lot of people have tried to come up with some sort of solution to create perpetual energy, energy that never stops. However, every attempt has been unsuccessful because a perpetual motion or perpetual energy machine violates certain physics laws, specifically the laws of thermodynamics, and specifically in the laws of thermodynamics, the first and the second law. Now, what are the laws of thermodynamics, you ask? Well, they're just the physics laws that govern energy. The first law of thermodynamics states that energy cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed. That's very important. I want you to remember that. Energy cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed energy can only change forms. In any energy uh, conversion, the total energy of a closed system is constant. And so what perpetual motion machines aim to do is generate more energy than they consume, which contradicts the law. So what does that mean? Let me give you an example of this, right? Um, you, uh, the, the Lion King analogy, the circle of life, right? Like when we eat something, it creates energy in our body. So, you know, Simba's sitting there with his, his dad and his dad says, you know, look, we, we eat the gazelle, but that's okay because the gazelle eats the grass and then we eat the gazelle and then we die and we become grass and the gazelles eat us. It's the circle of life. That's a, that's a closed system where there's just constant energy transformation, but we're not creating anything new. The second law of thermodynamics explains that any energy conversion process, that there is, we're heading towards uh, equilibrium. In other words, everything's trying to uh, enter into a static, stagnant place. So imagine you're standing over a pond and you drop a rock into the pond. You're going to see the the water ripple for a while, and it's going to keep rippling until everything kind of ends up back at equilibrium and the water is calm again. And the reason why this is important is because perpetual energy or motion machines are are trying to operate in 100% efficiency and it doesn't really work. So you're always losing you're always losing some energy uh, and you can't you can't um you can't be 100% efficient. So for example, a light bulb produces light but also produces heat. It's not 100% efficient. So the reason why this is important is because these laws are preventing perpetual motion machines from being created. Humans have never been able to develop a highly efficient machine or renewable energy sources that don't need uh, that that are able to manufacture energy. It's just not possible. We have to get energy from something else. Now, where this is interesting is this also leads to another physics theory called the heat death. And the, the idea of the heat death is uh, theoretical physics is describing one possible ending to the universe based on this second law of thermodynamics. Now, I understand that all this is super weird. Just track with me. In the context of the universe, the heat death scenario envisions a future in which the universe to continues to expand and all the energy eventually equalizes. So the stars burn out you know, the galaxies drift apart, matter and energy become uniformly distributed across the universe. And as the universe approaches this heat death, there's a lack of usable energy. There's no way for more work to get done. The temperature approaches equilibrium where everything is at the same or very low temperature. It continues until it reaches its maximization. And at this point, there's no longer any potential for useful work and the energy is excuse me the universe is at a state of equilibrium this is known as the heat death now the burning question is what in the world does any of this have to do with our leadership well i believe the same laws of energy transcend physics and also apply to our leadership so just as god established physics laws that govern the universe i also believe that god has established spiritual laws that govern our leadership energy Just as the universe is a closed system, meaning that there's no other matter out there that's going to invade our universe, so too your leadership is a closed system. And what I mean by that is that as a leader, you have to lead within the assignment that God has given you. Some other pastor from a different town cannot tap in for me and start to infuse energy into my leadership. I'm the one that is responsible to do what God has called me to do. And that requires a high level of energy, energy all across the board. And if you've been in in ministry or high level of leadership in a church, you know that takes a lot of energy. For example, it takes physical energy. You know, you have to wake up. You have to get to work. You have to study. You you, you have to to move chairs from time to time. Here in about an hour – I'm going to be outside digging up a septic tank that's going to require physical energy. Ministry requires mental energy to study, to prepare, to strategize, to process what's going on. Ministry takes emotional energy. you got to have enthusiasm and momentum, and you have to have the right mindset. It takes spiritual energy. The Holy Spirit has to be empowering and infusing uh, into your life so that you have something to give that is of actual value to someone else. So all, every single aspect of ministry requires energy. And the same laws of thermodynamics also apply to your leadership energy. You know, the first law states that you cannot manufacture or destroy energy. And that that is so true for our spiritual leadership. You cannot snap your fingers and suddenly have mental, emotional, or spiritual energy. Every ounce of energy that you have for your calling and for the ministry had to come from somewhere else, It had to be infused into your life. You cannot just magically manufacture it. Let me give you an example of this. All of us have had an event or a ministry assignment that we just did not want to do, and we're trying to fake it. And it's so hard to fake. Why? Because you can't manufacture the enthusiasm or the energy that it's going to take to do it. So you kind of just dredge along through the assignment and just wait for it to be over with. You know, physically... For example, physical energy, you have to get some food, you have to get some rest, you have to drink some water, some coffee, that gives you physical energy. So what's going to infuse mental, emotional, spiritual energy into your life, into your ministry? Because you can't manufacture it. The second law said that your energy is always heading to equilibrium, a heat death. In other words, as I expend energy in the ministry, I'm also losing energy at the same time. You know, it's it's a it's a finite commodity that's in my life. It's just passing through. It's just transferring. As I'm expending, I'm also losing at the same time. And so if there's not an infusion of energy into my ministry, I'm going to burn out. And you see, a lot of people, particularly church leaders, are unaware of these laws of energy. So let me show you how this plays out. Leaders in church often start very strong because there's an initial surge of energy into that ministry. You know, an individual has an encounter with the Lord and they feel called to a specific task. Boom, energy infusion. They sit around and ponder the call, the dream about the possibilities and they start to pray. Boom, energy infusion. They share vision with people and people start getting on board and there's excitement. Boom, energy infusion. They they capture some easy wins and some low hanging fruit in the beginning. Boom, energy infusion. I mean, think about your first days in your ministry assignment where everything was going good, and, man, it was just exciting, and you felt energized and empowered, and this is addictive. And a lot of of leaders think, this is great, man. Ministry is awesome. I never want this to end. For, For pastors, when they get into new church assignments, we call this the honeymoon phase, where everybody's just pumped and everybody's excited and nothing can go wrong. And we hope that this works forever. We want this to continue to work forever. We want perpetual energy in our ministry. But remember what we said about the laws of physics: perpetual energy is impossible. And the same thing is true for our ministry. We perpetual energy—that feeling of the initial surge—is a is not a reality forever. It can't work that way forever. So what happens for a lot of ministers is they start doing the same things over and over again because they worked. They marry a model that works and and they never leave that model. They do the same events over and over and over and over and over again. They preach the same type of messages over and over and over because it worked. And what they're doing is they're expending all their energy in a closed system. There is not any fresh energy infusion. They thought the success, the events, the people brought the energy, but what they are not realizing is that the energy was actually passing through and they're consuming it as they go. So after 3 to 5 years, they've went through all the easy ideas and they start to hit a couple hiccups. And the next thing you know, they're losing energy, they're losing momentum because the energy is being diffused out and they're starting to hit equilibrium. They're having a quote heat death and they're starting to feel burnt out. So if you don't have an infusion of fresh energy into your spiritual leadership, sooner or later, you're going to experience this equilibrium, and you're going to feel tired, you're going to feel burnt out, you're going to feel unaffected, and you're going to want to quit because it sucks to experience the heat death. So how do you infuse energy into your spiritual leadership? That, that really is a question, isn't it? And a lot of people are trying to figure it out. They go to a conference, they read a book, they find a mentor, and all those things are great, but... None of those things actually infuse energy that you're going to need to continue the race. So what is the recipe to spiritual energy? Well, I believe there's two ingredients to spiritual energy, conviction and favor. Conviction and favor is the recipe that infuses energy back into the ministry and to the minister. So let me just give you a few moments here and and break this down for you. Let's start with conviction. You see, conviction is the inner core drive that the Holy Spirit is compelling you to do something. When a person has conviction, there is an intensity. There is an urgency. There is a resolve in the task that is at hand. And when you have that conviction, there is not a debate if you're going to do something. You have to do something. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter how hard it's going to be. There's a drive inside of you that you are not complete. You cannot die. You cannot finish until this is done. Let me give you a passage to show you this in the scripture. This is the Apostle Paul. We actually read this passage a couple weeks ago, but here we are again, and I want to point something else out. Acts twenty verse, uh, Acts chapter twenty verse twenty two through twenty four. Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, and here's what he says. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me, but I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. Paul has some conviction. He has to get to Jerusalem. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets there, but he's, con- he's constrained, he's bound, he's convicted by the Holy Spirit that he has to get there. He has a vision, he has a focus. And because there's that spiritual conviction there, he is going to be obedient. It doesn't matter what it's going to cost. It doesn't matter what's going to happen when we get there. It doesn't- he doesn't even know if he's going to die. None of that matters. He has a conviction that he has to finish the course. And that's all that matters to him, and he will do it. That conviction produced energy in his life. And that same type of conviction is what every single one of us need for the task at hand. That conviction produces energy in the life of a minister. Remember, you can't manufacture energy. You can't manufacture uh, energy for your calling. There has to be a transfer into your life. And the only way to have that transfer of energy is to get alone with the Lord and have the Lord infuse that conviction into your life for the specific minute mission in this specific season because we know that life and ministry revolves in seasons you start a season finish a season start a season finish a season and that doesn't mean that when a new season comes you change your position it doesn't mean you change churches or any of that but what it does mean is that you have a new assignment for this season and every single one of us when when we get into a new season when we feel a season coming to an end or there's a certain life cycle that, that's starting to come to an end. We have got to get along with the Lord, and we have to start seeking his conviction for our specific mission in that next season. And this is why, as I said a moment ago, a lot of pastors start really well because they have a conviction for this season, but when the season starts to end, they, 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 they forget that they need to get a fresh conviction, a fresh focus, a renewal in the Holy Spirit. And so they try to manufacture the energy. And as we said, that, that goes against the laws of leadership. You can't do it. And so they start to get burned out and, and they don't know what's wrong. What happened? You know, I mean, everything was going so good. Now everything's coming off the rails. What went wrong? So I want to encourage you with this. You need conviction for every single season that you're in. When, when you start to complete a season, when you, when you are accomplishing the tasks that's at hand, you start to get tired. That's very, very normal. But when you feel that, you have to retreat into solitude and get alone with the Lord. It, it, I'm not sure how the compelling process worked for the Apostle Paul. I'm not, I'm not sure what solitude moment he had where that, that conviction came into his heart that he had to get to Jerusalem. However, we know he had it. He heard from the Lord, and he was going to go to Jerusalem. It didn't matter what it cost. And we have to do the same thing. We have to carve out some time with the Lord. We have to get alone in prayer, and we need the Holy Spirit to infuse conviction for our next season or the season that we're currently in the second greeting for spiritual energy is favor favor is where God's grace is blessing your efforts. When you're walking in the favor of the Lord, you just see his hand everywhere in everything that's happening in your life. Things are happening that you didn't cause and it's wonderful and it's a comforting feeling. And here's why the favor is important when we're talking about spiritual energy, because the favor is confirmation to the conviction I have this conviction I have to do something. As I start to do it, I see God's hand on it and how it's starting to unfold. So I know that I'm on the right track. And that, that, that confirmation gives me confidence, and now I have an energy boost. You know, I'm always reminded of Moses and the people of Israel and how the Lord's presence led them in the wilderness, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. You know when they left is excuse me when they left Egypt and they're walking out into the wilderness and they see the presence of the Lord that's that's confirmation that they're doing the right thing. And so when the cloud moved they moved and when, the, when the fire stopped they stopped and 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 that Lord's presence provided them with everything they needed and and so they knew that they were on the right path. How comforting is that? The same thing is true for us. We need to follow the favor, the presence of the Lord and everything's going to be okay. Now, I want to say something at this point that might be a little bit controversial. And I don't believe that this is true in every single situation, but I think it's true in a lot of situations. We don't talk about it enough. I think some ministers stick in a situation too long when the favor has already moved on. I I just don't believe the Lord has called us to be ineffective. And I think that that there's a lot of people that they stay in ineffective ministries or situations and they're wasting their calling. They're wasting their potential and their giftings in the ministry as a minister because they're not progressing the kingdom. You know, Jesus told the apostles that when they went into a town, if the town did not receive them, they shake the dust off their feet and move on. And Jesus himself modeled this on occasion. He would try to minister in a place. They didn't receive him. So he moved on. And I and I think this is definitely something we need to pray about in certain seasons when we start to feel ineffective. Because here's the deal. The cloud of God's favor might have moved on, but you're still staying back, you know, two, three miles behind where you need to be. And you're trying to manufacture energy when you're out of position and it's not going to work. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not advocating for people to quit the ministry or move on too fast. There's a balance in all this. We talk a lot about perseverance, but we don't talk about sometimes when we know we need to move on from things. And sometimes we're trying to make a ministry work when the favor's gone, or we're trying to make a a specific task work work when the men, the favor's not there. And, and when the favor's not there, that, that's okay. The, you're not responsible to manufacture God's favor. You're just responsible to follow God's favor. So there's a balance in all this. I want to close with this. I want to leave you with this last thought. You cannot manufacture energy. That, that was part of the first law of thermodynamics, but there was a second part of that that's easy to miss. You can't destroy energy either. And that last part's really interesting to me. All energy is just transforming from one to the other. Remember the Lion King? Gazelles eat the grass. We eat the gazelles. We die, we become grass. So it's just a constant transfer. There, nothing's actually being destroyed. That was the whole point that Mufasa was trying to tell Simba. Uh, nothing's getting destroyed here. Same things with our energy. So here's what I want to encourage you with. When there is spiritual infusion of energy into your ministry, through conviction and favor, nothing can destroy it. Nothing can destroy it. And that really gives me a lot of confidence because, man, when this stuff's in alignment, And God can do some pretty cool things in your ministry and in your mission. So don't try to manufacture energy. Avoid the heat death. Get some conviction and follow the favor, and everything's going to be all right. God bless.